you to go with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. And this month we have, along the annual theme, determined that we will draw near through His Word. I don't know about you, but I'm already over the whole concept of social distancing, right? And, I, you know, people through the year that have distanced, I've found that many of them have distanced themselves from the Lord and from His will for their life. And yet, the Bible tells us that it is good for me to draw near to God. And I believe that we must make that determination in our hearts. And of course, we know that one of the ways that we can do so is through the Word of God. And Psalm 119 says, Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. And certainly as we cry out to the Lord and we talk to Him, we have understanding about how we can do so with nearness because of a relationship that we have chosen to have with God through His word. And I'm grateful today for many that have shared with me already this year that they have taken the the Bible reading schedules and they're determining to read the Bible through in the year and and others are taking the devotional guides and spending time with God each day in His Word. And you will be the beneficiary of that time. And when you draw nearer to the Lord, I'll promise you that the end result will be that you will be more like Him. And I've discovered that nearness is likeness. Have you ever seen a young person as they come into adolescence and they, they come out of grade school and into junior high school and, and high school and uh, maybe they were kind of a little backward and, and uh, they, they come into adolescence and they start to want to dress just like the people they hang out with at school? How many of you have ever noticed that? They, they want to start listening to the same kind of music that their friends are listening to and they want to start participating in the same kinds of activities. Why? Because nearness is likeness. And when you draw near to the people of this world, it is an inevitability that you will discover the Word of God is true. It says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13, that he that walketh with wise men shall be made wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You discover what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. When we begin to associate ourselves with the people of this world, we begin to act more like them. And sometimes we do it in the interest of, well, I'm going to help to pull them up out of the quagmire of sin, or I'm going to lift them up uh, from uh, the, uh, you know, the possibility of hell and bring them to church. And what normally winds up happening is we don't pull them up, they pull us down. And it's that whole uh, illustration, the age-old illustration of... Uh, you know, me trying to pull Brother Jeff up here on this, it's much more difficult for me to pull him up to this level than it is for him to pull me down to his, you see. And normally that's what happens. But as we draw nearer to the Lord this year, and I hope that you've made that your determination that you'll draw near this year. Um, we understand as we have focused this month, that we can draw near to Him through His Word because it is the Word that testifies of Jesus. Jesus said in the words printed in red, 
Search the Scriptures, for these are they which testify of Me. For in them you find eternal life, and these are they which testify of Me. And so we understand that we can have a relationship with God through His Word. Now, in John chapter 8, there are many things that are found here that are familiar to us, but today I want to focus in on perhaps some of the thoughts that are not as familiar. And I'll begin in verse number 12, and here the Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We see a conflict here. The rulers of the Jews are looking at Jesus and saying, What you're telling us is not true. And Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Father, help us today as we consider the Word to have ears to hear and hearts to understand. Lord God, I pray that You would do Your precious work in every life. Spirit of the living God, descend in every heart, I pray, beginning with me. For this I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to bring you a message entitled, Triumphant Truth. Triumphant truth. Now, Jesus in His discourse with these rulers of the Jews, after going back and forth with them and enduring many insults and accusations against Himself from them, made the statement in verse number 44, Ye are of your father, who? The devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. So what is he saying? I'm talking to the children of the devil. Alright? The devil's kids were ganging up on the Lord at their father's insistence. And Jesus understood where that attack was coming from. How many of you have ever been attacked by one of the devil's kids? Let me see your hands. Alright? I hope that you're wise enough to understand what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where there it declares, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand that no flesh is truly our enemy in the spiritual sense. And so we not need bog ourselves down in getting involved in conflicts with others, we need to recognize the source of the conflict. And we, we find it here revealed in what Jesus is declaring. You're of your father the devil, he said, and the less of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for He is a liar and the Father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. 
So one of the things that we can learn from this, and this is not my message, it's just by way of introduction, and that is that every lie proceeds from the father of it. He is the one that begets lies. Lies are begotten of the devil. He, he bears them out in those that are willing to be used of him. Now, the devil is a liar. Can I get an amen on that? If you can't say amen right there, there's a problem, right? He has always been a liar and he always will be a liar. Everything that he does to subvert the purpose and plan of God in your life is rooted in a lie. Every besetting issue of your life Believer friend, sinner friend, is rooted in the lie perpetrated by the devil. Now the Bible reveals in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8 that Jesus Christ was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Now recognize that the devil is the father of lies. All that is untrue that besets you comes from the devil and Jesus was manifest to overcome it, to destroy it, to triumph over it, not to give you a pill to cope with it, not to put you in therapy so that you could waste time and spend money. I'm just simply saying that Jesus Christ was manifest to destroy the work of the devil. And if the devil is a liar, how is Jesus going to destroy that work of implanting lies in the hearts of believers so that he can paralyze you from being effective in the work that God has called you to? Well, we're going to examine that in a moment, but know this, that Jesus defeats the work of the devil with the truth of the Word of God. And so, understand this, the truth itself is, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Well, certainly free from the bondage and tyranny of sin. Certainly free from what Satan and his minions would perpetrate against you. There are many today that are struggling with depression. Some of you are uh, turned aside in your mind because of a satanic obsession. Many of you are given over to lust, and some have been carried away with internet pornography, and it's something that has uh, begun to feed what the devil has convinced you is a need in your life that you cannot live without. And God wants to help destroy the Satan's work, this Satan's work in your life by teaching you what is true and supplanting and subverting the lie that the devil has implanted within you. Let us realize that from the truth of the Word of God, we understand that what God says is light and it is truth and the light will always overcome the darkness. The light will always overcome the darkness. 
especially where that darkness contains the lie of the devil. Friends, I want us to, to notice in our message this morning that truth overcomes devilish lies. Truth overcomes devilish lies. Now, we've already established that all lies come from the devil, alright? He's a liar and all lies proceed from him. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Um, I think it was the old comedian back in the 70s named Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? Uh, who used to say, can you remember what he used to say? The devil made me do it. Folks, if you did it, the devil might have had something to do with it, but you chose to do it. Nobody forced you to do it, right? You chose to do it. And so, look, even though the devil is behind it, you still have a choice in the matter. And it's a lie to somehow feel like you don't. But his lying ways are designed to be destructive and deceitful. You know what he wants to do with those lies? He wants to absolutely ruin you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to lead you astray. Years ago, I was reading in a periodical that did a research survey of the Mormon church. And how many of you know some Mormons? Let me see your hands. All right, Almost everybody lives in Arizona. It was pioneered by them, right? I believe it was. I think, is it Moroni on the top of the state capitol down there? One of those guys, but... Nevertheless, um, what, we, what we understand from a study of, of their proselytizing is this, that over the years they would say of all the denominations that they encounter while doing their proselytizing, they have proselyted more Baptists than any other denomination. Now, I, I wished I hadn't have seen that. I wish I hadn't have read it. I don't know about the veracity of that. It was several years ago. I don't know that it, if that's still true today. But what it tells me is this. We've done a good job at winning people to Christ at times, but we have not done a great job of helping people to really understand all that is theirs in Christ and to be rooted and grounded in the truth of the Word of God, because they are quickly uprooted and subverted by the lie of the devil. And let me just establish right out of the gate, and we'll mention this briefly later on, that the one big thing that these people that were fighting with Jesus could not believe was His assertion that He is God. That's why they wanted to kill Him. Three times in this passage, Jesus told them, you seek to kill me. Why was it? Because He said before Abraham was, I am. I'm from above. You're from beneath. Listen, my, my Father is testifying of me. You, you say you worship my Father. If you did, you believe that I and my Father are one. Listen, Jesus throughout this whole thing is saying, look, if you don't believe that I'm He, being the Messiah of God, God revealed in human form, then ye shall die in your sins. The one thing that they thought was the biggest lie they had ever heard was the claim that Jesus made that He was God. And folks, they said, you, we don't believe you. You're a liar. And Jesus said, look, because I'm telling you the truth, now you're calling me a liar? The fact is, truth overcomes devilish lies. And let me say to you that not only the lies that 
that are told within the spiritual realm. But the truth can overcome a lie in your life as well, whatever that may be. And it is not our version of the truth that is triumphant. Did you know that? It is God's unadulterated truth that always will be. God's unadulterated truth that always will be. Now, how many of you are kind of tired of watching any network news at all? Let me see your hand. You're just kind of tired of it. I mean, how many of you realize that they kind of talk to you like you're an idiot? That you can't think for yourself. You don't know right from left. You need them to tell you about it. And uh, and they bring all of these apologists in that uh, it's like this monolithic presentation and, and there's no room for anybody uh, to, to say anything that's outside of the established narrative. And if they do, they're marginalized and vilified. And I'm just sick of it. I don't know about you. Because you know what? I don't think we can trust it. Can you? How many of you are aware that not everything that's said on the news is actually... True. Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you are aware that not everything on the internet is true? Let me see your hand. Really? It's not? You're kidding me. Man, I just bought some property sight unseen from a guy <laughs> who emailed me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I thought it was real. You know, look, folks, I'm, t- I'm telling you, sometimes we're so gullible and the devil knows it. Sometimes we want to believe the lie instead of the truth. How many of you know people that tell lies even when the truth would be better? You know people like that. The fact is that it's not a particular color or version of the truth that's going to carry the day and bring triumph. It is the absolute unadulterated truth of God that will make us triumphant in the end. Now, truth overcomes devilish lies. I want you to understand, it, over, it overcomes darkening lies. What does the devil want to do? Well, you see, I'm in the light. When I got saved, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that he translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of love and light. So look, I have the light of the world in me. I am now the light of the world. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and set it under a bushel basket. That your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now folks, let me say this to you. There are many who have been saved. They've been translated from darkness into light. But you know what? The Bible admonishes us to walk as children of light in Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you know that? The Bible says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame to even speak of those things done in secret. Look, God didn't even want us to talk about it, much less have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so what is the admonition there in Ephesians 5? Walk as children of light. Why? Because you can choose to walk as those that are in darkness, even though you've been translated to the kingdom of light. Even though God, who is the light of the world, lives within you. We set it under a bushel basket. We choose not to let the lights be seen on the hill. Look, it doesn't mean the light has been extinguished. It's still there. But we're choosing not to walk in the light, but choosing rather to walk in the darkness. Now, truth overcomes darkening lies. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world in verse 12. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. You said that you're the light, and if we follow you, we'll not walk in darkness. You're lying to us. That's what they said. You're a liar. That's what, they told, what they're saying to Jesus here. Okay, And so, they're challenging the truth, and the truth of God is light for our lives that will lead us in the way that we should go. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. Okay, and so uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that that which doth make manifest is light. The Bible says in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so the devil wants to draw you away from the truth and cause you to live as though you were a child of the darkness. Because then you are utterly ineffectual in fulfilling all that God has called you to become and do. As long as you determine that you're going to live like those that are still in the darkness, the truth of God will overwhelm the darkness that produces fear. Inevitably, in the Word of God, darkness is mentioned together with fear. And we know in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 that the Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's interesting, I did a word study on that word power in that verse number 7, and what it means is the power to overcome. And you know how we overcome the fear that Satan wants to strike in our hearts with his lies? By combating with the truth. And so, how has the Lord brought to light the darkness that we once were in? Well, the Bible tells us there in verse 10 of 2 Timothy 1, who, who hath brought light and immortality to light through the gospel. God, by His Spirit and the work of Jesus, our Savior, has brought to light the life which we now live and the life that is to come. He's turned the lights on to remove the darkness in our understanding, to overwhelm and overcome the fear that Satan wants you to live in. Let me tell you something. I've known as you have thousands of people who have made professions of faith in Jesus Christ. I have also known many of those people, as I'm sure that you have, Pastor Eckleberry, that after having made a profession of faith, they come forward and they say, I just am not sure I'm still saved. I just don't have that confidence that I'm saved. How many of you have dealt with people like that? Okay. How many of you never have? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're just not sure that you're saved. But here's what happens. A lot of people make a decision and we give them the truth. And we tell them that when God saves you, He saves you forever. He gives you everlasting life. It's eternal life. Uh, you know, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It never ends, alright? Do you believe that? And with childlike faith, we say, yes, I do. And they pray to receive Christ as Savior. And we say, look, the Bible says in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. God for no reason will ever cast you out now that you have come to Him. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. When God gives you a promise... 
He's a God that cannot lie. Uh, and, and listen, He promised it's forever settled. And it's not up to you to keep yourself saved. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 that we are kept by the power of God, not by our own power. So when we trust our own power and we go out and we sin, all of a sudden the devil begins to work with the lie in our heart to try to retract what God implanted there and to cause us to live in the fear of hell again. But God came to dispel fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That's the power to overcome that fear of love and of a soundness of mind. Not to be shaken and panicked and paranoid all the time. I'm telling you, I've talked to too many people in recent months who are taking anxiety meds and taking med medicine because they're having panic attacks and all of these things. And look, look, if it's a real thing, do what you got to do. But let me just say this to you. I believe that somewhere behind your anxieties and fears, somewhere behind that which has cast your mind aside and shaken you to the core is a lie that's been implanted in your heart by the devil that you have laid hold on. And the truth of the living God can bring you to the place where once again you live with a sense of an overcoming spirit, power, and of being loved by God and having that be enough. And of a soundness of mind so that you're stable in your spirit, not shaken up all of the time by the turning of circumstances in your life. Truth overcomes the darkening lies. And let me say this to you. If we invite the darkness to overwhelm us when we prefer the way of man, or we invite the darkness to overwhelm us when we prefer the way of man instead of the Word of God. The Bible says in Colossians 2, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Friends, this whole world system is humanistic to the core. And humanism teaches that man is at the center of his universe. And truth is not absolute. Truth is relative. It promotes the idea of relativism which spawned the origin of the species. And, uh, and nothing is absolute. It's constantly evolving. Things become true. They, they think as you appropriate it or, or uh, there are no absolutes. So it employs what is known as a situational ethic, which is simply this. The end justifies the means. The end justifies the means. So by that logic... And they believe this, humanists, which is now a, a recognized religion by the U.S. Congress. Here's, here's, here's how they employ it, okay? It's okay for me to tell a lie if it makes somebody else feel better or it benefits me. Okay? Who's the father of lies? The devil. Okay? So, if you're confronted with something and it's not convenient for you to cop to it, you say, well, you know, it's better for me just to tell the lie because i got to pay my bills. I can't lose my job over this. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the buck. I'm going to tell the lie. You know, what time did you get into work? Oh, I forgot to clock in. I'm sorry, you know. And the fact is you were late. You're just making up a lie. Do, do you know what I'm saying? When you say, well, it's better for my family. So the end justifies the means. Because I keep my job, I keep, keep food on the table and a roof over my head. And folks, what we say is that 
I'm employing a situational ethic. There are no absolutes. The end justifies the means. Who's behind that? Who's behind it? Is it ever right to tell lies? Is it? I spoke to a Christian counselor one time who asked, are you willing to lose everything in the interest of telling the truth? Because that will reveal really honestly where we are. Are you willing to lose your job if, if, if the truth is on the line, if necessary? Are you willing to lose, lose out on things that you hold dear? Folks, listen. If we invite darkness, or we invite the darkness to overwhelm us when we prefer the way of man instead of the Word of God. We just invite it in. It's a slippery slope because we practice the ways of deceit and there's no place to stop. It becomes a lifestyle to us. And so we are deceivers. There's something worse than telling a lie. It's living that lie every day. Living a deceitful life. Thirdly, we notice that truth overcomes damning lies. And they were lying and trying to make things up about Jesus. They, they, they called Him all kinds of terrible things, said awful things about Him, told Him that He was a liar. But Jesus said in verse 21, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek Me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will He kill Himself? Because He saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. You know what Jesus is telling them? Look, you're going to be damned. You're damned. Now, I'm not cussing in church. That's a Bible term. It means they're condemned to hell. Do you understand that? That's, that's something that, that the Apostle Paul said to the church in Galatia when he was talking about preaching the pure gospel. He said, though I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And the word there is anathema, which means damned. Or in other words, let him go to hell. <laughs> Honestly, if you're not going to preach the pure, straight gospel, you're going to lie to people. And that's what the result is. But the truth overcomes the lies that condemn people to hell. You see, the rejection of the truth of who Jesus is, meaning God, is damning. It condemns a person to hell. Folks, I know some, some Mormons and some Jehovah's Witnesses that are nice people, and so do you. We, for years we had next-door neighbors that were Mormons, and if it was trash night and I forgot to bring my cans out, they'd remind me. If I came in and I forgot to bring them off the street, they'd do it for me. Do you know what I'm saying? They were good, good neighbors, but they were lost. Why? Because the central issue of the age, the central question of every age is, who is Jesus? It's not how nice are you. What think ye of Christ? And the truth is, that which overcomes the damning lies. There is no salvation outside of a correct answer of that question. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the truth. And there is no salvation apart from that. 
Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Fourthly, notice that truth overcomes deceitful lies. Now, every lie is deceitful, right? But understand this. These religious leaders were both deceived and deceiving. When Jesus spoke to them about the truth setting them free, they answered Him in verse 33, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye should be made free? You think they were a little out of touch with their present realities? What, what was going on at that moment? Who were they in bondage to? The Romans, right? They had a despot ruling over them, and they were scared to death of the Roman soldiers. They wanted them to do the dirty work, but they were under the charge of the Romans. And here they're trying to say, we've never been in bondage to any man. <laughs> I guess they forgot all about uh, Egypt. <laughs> that was kind of a part of their history, wasn't it? They kind of forgot about uh, Assyria. Uh, they, th that was kind of a part of their history, wasn't it? Listen, folks, they were disconnected from the truth and through deceitful means were trying to affect their malicious end. And they were deceived and they were deceiving. But the truth will always overcome deceitful lies. They were trying to put forward a lie that was obviously a deceit. And the truth exposed it. it exposed them for what they were. Just a pack of liars. Just a pack of liars. Now, can I tell you something? It's not your job to go around trying to expose liars. Trying to dig out untruths and falsehoods in people's lives. You know what your job is? To just be an ambassador of truth. Just to be a truth teller. Just to lift up Jesus, right? So, Look, some people say, well, the truth will set you free. So I'm going to free Lori. I'm going to tell everybody the truth about the Lori I know, right? And that's going to set her free. Is that going to do it? No, that might hurt, drive her deeper into a bondage, right? I, I'm not on her bound just to go tell everybody everything I know, even if it's true. So just... True information is not what sets you free. Do you understand that? The truth of God sets you free. Now, every counselor in the world is going to try to tell you, and this is a good and acceptable application, that the truth will set you free. If you tell the truth, you're going to be freed from the tyranny of it in your mind because now you're no longer living with the threat of what that truth might produce. It's not going to hurt you anymore because it's already out there. Do you understand? It's going to set you free. And in a very real sense, that's true. But the freedom of the spirit and soul comes from God and God alone. Not just by telling things that might have been actual and factual. Right? Somebody might say, Pastor, I'm going to free you. You're fat. <laughs> I know it. So what? I'm not free. You just, you just put me under the bondage of depression. You've driven me further into it. You, know, you say, but you are fat. It's true. Look, look, that didn't help me. It's not just facts that may be true that are going to set me free. It's the truth of God applied rightly. You understand? Now, folks... Truth overcomes deceitful lies. And I, I just want to say to you, 
that there are many who through the years have been brought up in church settings. How many of you have spent a lot of time in church? Let me see your hand. Spent a lot of time in church in your life. Okay, many of you have. How many of you have ever been in a place that you might, now looking back over it, say, they had a philosophy that was more like what we call functional legalism. It was performance-based acceptance. If I measured up to the standard, then I was allowed into the circle, the circle of trust, you know. <laughs> Some of you. Okay, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever been exposed to something like that? Let me see your hand. Where you were in a church, it was performance-based acceptance. And then they preach salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, but then once you're saved, now they wanted to put you under the bondage of their pharisaical ways. How many, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and boy, it was oppressive because the harder you tried, the, the more it seemed to elude you. You know, and you were never quite in the circle of trust. You maybe had one foot in and one foot out. And, and, uh, and it was frustrating and, and all of these things. And, and friends, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. The devil wants to put you in that position. Here's why. Follow me on this, okay? Is you with me? Say amen. Okay, I know you have a mask on, but you can say it anyway, alright? Do you know what happens to people that are in that oppressive system? They want to be accepted by everybody else. So you know what? They start putting on like they're doing it all right, when in their heart of hearts, they're really not, and they know it. Okay? They put a Bible under their arm and they're God blessing everybody across the parking lot. Okay? They volunteer to work in VBS and they tithe a little bit. Okay? And they're trying to make everybody in the world think, I am all that in a bag of chips. Right? But guess what? They're not. So what are they doing? They're trying to make everybody else believe that they're somebody and doing something that they're not. Now, fundamentally, what do we call that? Has anybody been listening for the last 30 minutes? Fundamentally, what do we call that? It's deceit. What is deceitfulness? It's perpetrating something that's not true. It's a lie. What's worse than telling a lie? Living one. And Sunday in, and Wednesday in, and Wednesday out, and Sunday in, and Sunday out, and week in, and week out, what we do is we try to let everybody believe that I am a good Christian when in my heart I'm rebelling against all that I perceive to be their hypocrisy and their performance-based acceptance philosophy, and I begin to live something that's not the truth. And so lying has become me. And when I am there, who has their hook in me? The one that authored that deceit in me. The devil. He doesn't care if you go to church so long as you're not walking according to what you want everybody else to think you are. Because you know what? When the time is right, he's going to expose you. And he's going to hurt an array of young believers in the process. And a church will be shaken for good or ill. But the devil wants to subvert, overthrow, and overwhelm the work of the Lord by having it filled with people that are not living the truth. You know, listen, every year we have our workers 
pass a background check and they have to go fill out their application forms every year because life gives us turns, it changes, and we want to have updated information. You know what? I love it when I see people just honestly filling those things out because there's a question there that says, you know, how would you characterize your present walk with the Lord? You know, and I'm not looking for, you know, somebody to in the King's English give me, you know, 14 verses, three points in a poem. I, I'm just, I just want to know where they say, listen, I'm growing every day or I'm, I'm you know, seeking to draw close to the Lord and, and not always having victory at it. You know, I'm just, I just want people to be honest. It's wonderful when people are just write down and say, Trying to love the Lord the best way I know how. And I know I'm not always succeeding, but day by day I want to do better at it. You know, I could live with that spirit all day long rather than someone saying, you know, I've read my Bible every day for five years in a row and I've led X number of people to Christ and I pray for an hour every day. And it reminds me of, you know, that is it Luke 18, the publican and the Pharisee that went down to the temple to pray? And, and, and I'm thinking... I'd rather be the publican that everybody hated than the Pharisee that everybody thought was all that lifted up with pride who's perpetrating a deceitful lifestyle which is nothing more than a lie. But God wants us to live in victory, to triumph over the lies of deceit with truth. And understand, as we move quickly to the end of our message, that that we see that truth overcomes destructive lies. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of the verses. And I've seen some people take out their cameras and take a snapshot of this, because we're not handing out the outlines for fear people think we're giving them COVID. But whatever you got to do, if you want me to email this to you, I will. But these dishonest men sought to destroy Jesus with their lies. What did they do? In this passage, and I won't take time to read every verse because there's a bunch of them. You know what they did? They called Jesus a liar. You know what they did? They called Jesus' mother a whore and Jesus a bastard. You know what they did? They accused Jesus of being suicidal. You know what they did? They called Him a dog, Samaritan, and that He was a demon. They called Him a liar and they wanted to kill Him. And they were the ones that were saying he was a liar. But then they said, we've never been in bondage to any man. But what are those chains? Oh yeah, the Romans. Look, the truth will overcome destructive lies. And understand this, those that are destructive of other people are not led of the Lord. God didn't appoint you to set the record straight on the sins of everybody that you know with your blog or website. God didn't appoint you to be the moral guardian of everybody in the faith and to expose any, any hypocrisy that you may find. Look, all I'm saying to you is this, that that which destroys is not of God. Jesus Christ, 1 John 3, it was manifest to destroy the works of Satan. Not to destroy the lives of men and women. If we begin chapter 8, what happened? Well, the Pharisees brought a woman that was found in adultery and cast him at Jesus' feet as he was teaching by the treasury in the temple. And said, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act of it. 
In other words, she wasn't just sitting in the house. We caught her doing the dirty. And everybody knows it. Now what are you going to do, Jesus? And the fact of the matter is this. That they knew in their hearts that they had orchestrated that because they weren't just walking down the street and happened to glimpse in the window of somebody's house and catch somebody committing adultery. They set the stage for it. They conspired to do it. They had somebody paid off to be a part of it. And so they were complicit in the deed. And they didn't care if that woman was stoned to death and so they were complicit in murder the conspiracy to commit murder why because they hated the truth of Jesus and they were willing to lie in order to destroy Jesus and there are those that today think that they're sitting home and they've got time on their hands they're going to try to research and expose anybody that they think is wrong Folks, I don't know about you, but I have all I can say grace over just cleaning up my own backyard without trying to clean up yours. I've been here 18 years now, and I've never gone to someone's house and checked the beverages in their refrigerator or looked at their download history on their computer or looked at the videos in their library. I've never looked at the periodicals on their shelf as a means of judging them or whether I'm going to accept them. That's not up to me. I don't play the role of the Holy Spirit, He does a fine job of that without me. Amen? And you know what? He'll do just fine without your help. Truth overcomes destructive lies. And understand this, what God declares will destroy the work of Satan's lies. How many of you have ever had somebody lie about you? Let me see your hand. Be honest about it. Had somebody tell a lie about you at work? on your job, at a church. you know, And it happens, you know why? Because churches are just filled with people. How many of you know that? Some people are really shocked when they come to that realization that churches are populated by people. And guess what? People have problems. How many of you know that? And people are not perfect. We are positionally if we are in Christ, but I'd I like to just tell you that, look, I'm trying to live righteously day by day, but there are some moments of some days where it's just not happening for me. Can I get a witness up in here? How many of you have ever been cut off on the highway and, and you, were, you were a little disinclined to say, God bless you, right? Yes. So look, I understand that, but God is the one that will destroy the works of Satan. And so understand that we're all made of the same bolt of cloth and dug out of the same earth and that your flesh is not better than anybody else's. It all stinks. Paul called his flesh vile. Right? <laughs> he said the circum true circumcision... Look, we're not those that were circumcised in flesh, but in heart and mind. And so, are, are you with me? You know, I'm, I'm glad you are. I, and I see your eyes. I can't see and hear you very well with a mask on, but that's okay. We, we put these seats back in. We had a spitter's row right here. We had kind of a, an area here to protect folks on the front row from, from many COVID spittle. Let me tell you this. Truth, number six, quickly, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm past the time I wanted to quit. Truth overcomes doctrinal lies. How many of you know that? 
How many of you have ever been exposed to a doctrinal error? Let me see your hand. Okay, all right. This week I was talking to Brother Kelly and his wife Bonnie, and we're one of the things that we often discuss is the subject of of um, repentance. And folks, I'm going to just tell you something. I've had this conversation with you, Pastor Eckleberry, and I know I've talked to you about it too, uh, Pastor Peck, that sometimes people say, in order to be saved, you have to repent of all your sin. And what they're communicating to that person is that you really have to clean up your act in order to make yourself a candidate for salvation. I don't clean myself up. God does that job. It's His job. You understand? Look, in John 15, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, right? And look, I'm, I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Am I not? Yeah, absolutely. He does that work. Look, as an unregenerate man, there may be some things that I'm doing in my life that I'm not even aware of that it's sin. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and people say silly things. They say things like, well, you just have to, you just have to, you know, repent of it for a minute. Okay? Can you give me any Bible on that? Give me chapter and verse. I want to, I want to search that. It doesn't say it in there anywhere. Right? Now, listen. <laughs> there were those that were in Galatia that believed that, okay, we're saved by grace, but we're going to be kept by doing the law. Right? We might say the law is the Ten Commandments. When was the last time you ever heard anybody say, you have to repent of your good works? You know what we say? Repent of all your sin you'll be saved. But you know what the problem of the Jews was? They thought they had to do good works to be saved. So you know what they had to do? Repent of that idea. Because repentance is not changing your life and hoping God will accept you. Repentance is changing your mind and accepting Him. Repentance is not changing your life and hoping God will accept you. Repentance is changing your mind and accepting Him. You understand? Now how do I know that? You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I've read the Bible through. And you know what has dispelled that whole notion of you've got to clean up your act in order to make yourself a candidate for salvation? The truth! Right? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas said unto him, Repent of all your sins and be baptized. Is that what he said? No! He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? Look. Good Master, what must we do to work the works of God? This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He has sent. What is it? I've got to believe in Jesus. That's what it is. It's not anything else. And so what exposes the doctrinal error? The truth, the truth, the truth. It overcomes doctrinal lies. God overcomes a lie with the truth. Are you still with me? These religious leaders used the law not as a means of bringing men to God, 
but as a trap to separate them from God. Do you see that? Because, look, what did they do? That whole chapter started out with them bringing this woman to Jesus, and they, they thought, we're going to get him now. You know, we've got him right where we want him. He's so nice to everybody. But when this is irrefutable adultery, he's going to have to start stoning this woman, or we're going to start stoning him. Okay? So they were trying to use the law to trap people, not to bring them to God. Do you see that? It was a manipulative use of their religion to get their own way. And understand, I've known many who have been in the seat of the Pharisees. I, I hope I haven't sat there very long. But you know, the fact of the matter is this. They used the law not as a means to bring men to God. And by the way, that's why the law was given. As a schoolmaster to bring us to God. To bring us to Jesus. To recognize I can't save myself by keeping commandments. I need to go to the only one who can fulfill all righteousness for me. And that is Jesus. Instead, many people use the law as a means to separate people from God. And to cause them to stay serving for fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. The last thing I would tell you today is this. And I'm sorry for taking so long. I just like this, the truth. I can't help it. <laughs> you know, truth overcomes demoralizing lies. You know what they told Jesus? Your mother's a whore and you're a bastard. That's what we all think. We've heard it for 32 years now. You know what they told Jesus? You're a liar. And all of the Sanhedrin thinks so. You know what they told Jesus? We think you're suicidal. You're saying you're going to go someplace we can't go. That only means us that you're going to kill yourself. You know what they said? You're probably a dog Samaritan. You're not really a child of Abraham. You know what they said to him? You're a demon. You're a devil. You know what they said to him? You're a liar. You know, honestly, if, if some guy got up in your face and started telling you're a liar, saying things about your mama, <laughs> right? How many of you fellows would kind of be a little put off from that? How many of you say those are, it's about time to throw down when that happens? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of fighting words at that point. They were trying to demoralize and dispirit Jesus in the sight of everybody around him. But you know what Jesus did? He spoke the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. And you know what? They couldn't put a glove on him because of the truth. You know, I'm going to just say this to you. Satan's lies often demoralize and depress us. Say, well, how does he do that? Well, how many in here know that you're on your way to heaven? Okay, there's a few people willing to admit that. <laughs> you know, I'm happy about that. Amen. Now, I, how many of you are like me, and during some point in your Christian experience, you haven't done everything right? Let me see your hand. Bunch of sinners, I am out of here. No, I'm just kidding. That, 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 that's my experience too. We haven't always done everything right, have we? No. And how many of you are like me? The devil came and whispered in your ear and said, you call yourself a Christian and you did what? You call yourself a Christian and you're thinking what? You called yourself a Christian and you said what? You can't be a Christian. Listen to you. Look at you. Right? How many of you, you understand what I'm talking about? You know what he's starting to do? He's starting to plant lies in your head. 
right? How many of you have ever gotten sick and been absent for more than three weeks at church? Let me see your hand. All right, there's several, several people like that. Okay. And how many of you are like me? You come back to church and, and people are kind of looking around. They see you and quickly they turn to someone and they lean in and you don't know what they're saying, but you're sure they're talking about you. Now, he might be saying, do I have a booger on my tie? Right? Look, I'll know your friend if I, my friend if I have one, you tell me, alright? I don't want to stand up on the World Wide Web and preach with a booger on my tie. You'll be my friend if you tell me, alright? So, someone might have been leaning in and saying, do I have a booger on my tie? But you know what? You're convinced everybody's talking about me. I'm gone for three weeks and already everybody's turned against me. Now, the fact is, everybody's been praying for you, everybody's been missing you, everybody loves you, and everybody's happy to see you, but the devil wants to feed you a lie to get you sideways with the Lord and His people. And that's how he works. And you know what it does? It demoralizes you. You go home and you think, you know, I probably need to find another church. You know what I think? You're playing right into the devil's plan for your life. He's a liar and He's got you right where He wants you. We've got to choose the truth of God over the lies. Listen, I, I know people that have gone through job losses and they've been totally demoralized. We know anybody like that? How many of you know anybody like that? How many of you had a good job and then you lost one and it seemed like I can't seem to get a decent job? I can't even get an interview. And you know what, guys sit around the house, you know, searching the internet. They're on all the job search sites and everything, and they're like, I'll never get a job. I don't have a master's degree, and I don't have 15 years of experience. And how am I, how's this ever going to work out, right? And all of a sudden, we get to this place of despair, like, I'm worthless in this economy. I don't have the skill set. Nobody will hire me. And you know what the devil's doing? He's like, here's a child of God over here. I think I'm going to give him an uppercut. Right? I'm going to throw a right cross. I'm going to kick him in the groin. I'm going to push him in the mud. I'm going to scratch him and I bite too. Arr! He's going to get you. He's got you down and you know, we're there nursing our wounds. And while we're nursing our wounds and being depressed and demoralized with his lies, what good are we doing? None. And you know what? He thinks, nanny, nanny, nanny. You know, I got you, right? And I, I got to tell you something. You must choose the truth of God over the lies of the devil. Because I read the book all the way to the end, and Satan's day is coming. And let me give you how it ends. We win. You know what? I can't wait till the devil's bound and cast in a lake of fire. You know what? I think I'm going to say, We won! We won! We won the BB gun! You lost! You lost! You lost the applesauce! Bye-bye, loser! Right? How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't let him have victory in your life. Just tell him the truth. He can't deal with the truth, right? To steal a phrase. 
I'm just simply saying, the devil is a liar and Jesus is the truth. And you might be down and beneath the weight of your circumstances and thinking, this is never going to happen. I'll never get my life together. This is going to kill me. And, and you might be dwelling on all of these thoughts and you're down and depressed and going to therapy and needing meds and the doctor's asking you questions about how are you feeling? Are you depressed? I can refer you to a clinic. And, and, and look, you think, oh, yeah, that's what I need. Listen, you need the truth of God in your life that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That says when I'm weak, then God is at His strongest in my behalf. And listen, I'm going to tell you that what we think based upon the lies of the devil doesn't mean that much in the economy of God. What we need to do is claim the truth of the Word of God and understand that you are of God, little children. For greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And His Truth triumphs over all the lies that the devil wants you to buy into. So he wants to tell you that you're trash, that you're a trashy guy or a gal, that you'll never amount to anything. Listen, you say, well, that's what my parents taught me, and I'm in therapy about that. Listen, whatever they said, that's not absolute. What God says is absolute. That you are the very righteousness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That I am forgiven. That I am holy. That I am blameless. That I am adopted. That I am blessed. That I am loved. That's the truth, my friend, that He wants us to lay a hold of. So stop sitting around thinking I'll never amount to anything. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go to the garden and eat worms. Realize that Jesus loves you more than anyone ever has and anyone ever will. He loves you so much that He made you and He knows every sin that you've ever committed. And He chose in love to die for you anyway. He set His affections upon you. And that, my friend, is the truth that wins. It wins. Lay hold of the truth. Renounce the lie. Truth is unchanged and unchanging. Hold on to God's unchanging truth. Lord God, thank You today for Your Word. Thank You for its power, for its truth. Lord God, I pray that You would help us to renounce the lies of the devil and to hold fast to the triumphant truth found in Your Word. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. Perhaps there's somebody seated here this morning that in your heart of hearts, you're just not really certain that if you died right now on the basis of the truth, not certain that your sins are all forgiven, and that heaven is your forever home. But you're concerned about that. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but I'd, I'd just like to have the opportunity and privilege of remembering you in a moment of prayer. And today, if you're seated in this room and you would say, Pastor Mark, I, I'm concerned about that. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven. And you would say, I don't want you to embarrass me, but I would appreciate it if you would pray for me. And if that's you this morning, I wonder if while no one is looking, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm concerned that if I died today, I might not go to heaven. I'd like to be sure. Pray for me. Here's my hand. 
Would you just slip it up? Just put it up and write back down. I'll see where you are. Remember you in prayer. Maybe there's someone in the room that would say, Pastor Mark, I know that I'm going to heaven. But I've been getting discouraged. I've been listening to the lies of the devil. And God's telling me today I need to just let that go and hold on to the truth of what Jesus says about me. Pray for me that I would let go of that nasty lie that Satan's trying to put off on me and hold on to the truth of what God says and is true. Here's my hand. Pray for me. God bless you and you. God bless you and you and you. God bless you. God loves you. That's true. God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true. God is greater than all of your problems. That's true. By His grace, He'll see you through them. Give you victory over them. That's true. He loves you. Friend, never forget it. In a moment, we're going to sing a verse of invitation. Perhaps you're here and not saved. Whether you lifted your hand or not, if God is dealing with your heart, you're not sure you're going to heaven. When we stand to sing in a moment, I'll just be here at the front. I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. And just come to the front. And I'll, have some, I'll put a mask on. I'll have someone with a mask. Sit down at a table six feet long and show you from the Bible how you could be sure that heaven is your home. It would be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Maybe you're a believer and you've been battling a lie that the devil's trying to put you in the bondage of and you just need to claim the freedom that is yours through the truth of what God says if God is moving in your midst, in your heart. Maybe you just settle that with Him in prayer today. Lord God, help us now.